0: You're listening to The Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Foreign International Medical Graduate Podcast, episode number three. Today, I have the pleasure to have a guest, the first one in our series of episodes. And what I want to create with this is a brand new history with a case study. We're going to call it a case study, who is a friend, colleague of mine that I have known for about five years. We mainly established conversations over the phone, long distance from Colombia. And during the last week, he has been here in the United States with me, doing some observerships and shadow shifting in the emergency department, uh, the current uh, private hospital where I've been for the last uh, five years. I'm gonna introduce him. His name is Ferney Paez Olmos uh is uh, originally from Colombia and he happens to be from Bucaramanga, my city and he went to the Universidad Industrial Santander as I did and what I wanna do and the reason why I'm calling this a case study is because ferney it's gonna be my partner on this process, and he's gonna explain us what it's been for him to try to make it in America. Uh, starting from the get-go, the first steps that he took to make it here, his personal efforts, his financial efforts, his commitment, the sacrifices that he has done for himself, for his family, the implications that he has, has in his professional lives, the boundaries, the bumps on the road that he has to fight against, call it attendings, the system, whatever that is always against you, envy, competition, every single factor that we have experienced through this process, and that we're gonna go into detail as we move along. So, Fernet is coming today. Right now is December uh, the 5th of 2019 in the United States. And I wanna see what he has done so far. We're gonna try to meet in six months or a year from now and revisit with him what has been the process so far and where are we standing. At that point in time, and then we'll do it again once he makes it into his internship, and we'll do it again when he's a second or third year resident, and we do it, in, and we'll know what specialty he matches into, uh, how is his life in America, how's been the adaptation process, what was his immigration status like, how did he obtain a visa, what type of visa, what were the options, the fees, the struggles, etc. All those questions that you might have that we're going to try to discuss little topics and to open them for discussion. And as I said, I just want to be a resource. I want to put some free material out there for you guys to evaluate and give me feedback. So go to www.fmg-imgcast.com. Visit my website. And within the next few weeks, we're going to be posting this through our British hosting service that is going to help us with the editing and we'll see how it goes. So, Ferney, first of all, welcome to the show. And uh, uh, I'm really happy that you're here. Thank you for taking the sacrifice and the effort to come here and just kind of be with me in Tampa. Uh, I feel honored with your presence and and I just wish you the best. And he, he was friendly enough to kind of give us some of his time to tell us uh, about him. So tell us about you.
2: Hello, Dr. Osorio. Um, My name is Fernay Paez. I am from Colombia. My hometown is Bucaramanga. I went to University Industrial of Santander. I spent six years of my life there, training in the medical career. I was there with my family. I'm married. I have a child. He is uh, 18 years old. Okay so I 10 years old 10 years old uh yeah I was there uh trying to to feed in the medical uh in the medical field and I was trying to get uh, the pathway in the medical career so in the third year on my medical training I figure out that I will try to do something great in my life so I found myself at that time that I wanted to pursue a huge dream to be a doctor in the United States. How
1: did you come to realize that? Who told you about it? Was a friend of you involved? Was your family in any way or influential about your decision or, or what popped in your mind that led you to make that decision?
2: I have two sisters here in United States, so they have living here for a long time, like probably ten or more years. So, uh, I I have that in my mind about United States, and some day I hear I hear in my university about the USMLE process, and I hear some people there like. Joking around like, hey, do you want to be a doctor in another country? Why don't you think be a doctor in the United States? and laughing about it because it's a difficult process, very expensive. So I thought someday, well, I don't have the resources. I, my English is not so good, but I have fi- family there. So I will try to do it.
1: Listen, my English is not that good neither. I was never able to get rid of my accent. Believe me, when I came to this country, I dated a bunch of American girls trying to get rid of it. It won't apply to your situation, but by the way, now I'm married to a beautiful American woman. Not that I became a citizen of the United States through her. I did it through a labor certification process, but I just fell in love with this fantastic woman during my second residency training here in Tampa. So, um, yeah, my English was not that good. Uh, it, It doesn't come easy. It gives me headaches to this day so when you said okay i have to improve my english i have to make it to america what was the first thing you did were you researching the internet what were you doing to try to get information
2: i tried to find some information in facebook there there is a facebook page in my country that is called USMLE, like colombia USMLE. e so there are a bunch of information about the the whole process and the fees that you have to pay to take the exams. Um, well, I thought at that time I can try to start uh, like improving my English, and I bought some books um, without audio scripts, and I uh, started pra- practicing my English and getting better with my English in the fifth year of my uh, medical training.
1: Did you do what i did that i was buying my books in english to read them in english because i knew that i didn't want to be a doctor in colombia from the get-go so everything that i learned i wanted to learn it in english because believe me guys i feel that the brain works in a funny way whatever has you have learned in spanish is storing your ram memory or call it your storage memory in spanish and when you want to bring out that thought process is like in spanish and then you have to translate it into english to make people understand the pathophysiology of the process that you're trying to explain so i said dude it's kind of difficult so i started buying the schwartz the 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 internal medicine the robbins robbins internal medicine the pediatrics was the name of the pediatrics book uh the nelson's etc etc and i did the same thing i i i i took the toffle randomly the test of English as a foreign language I, that I don't think they're required anymore. Is that correct?
2: No, it's not required anymore.
1: So back then, and I passed it, but the score was not high enough. But and then I took it like twice more, but I took a formal testing process. And my, my learning part is a whole different situation. I came here as a tennis player and I learned English while I was a tennis player here in the United States. So so you did uh, plenty of uh, self-study books do you practice with anyone or were you coming here to visit your sisters often or how, how do you get proficient at it? Because you're doing really good.
2: Well, uh, in 2015, uh, we planned at that time to visit my sister. She lives in North Carolina and she's married with American men. He studied in college uh, psychology, I think. So. I went with there a couple of months, and after that, I went to my other sister in Denver. So I was practicing a lot and trying to talk with, uh, with a lot of people everywhere and trying to, to practice this, the things uh, I have already studied at that time. Okay.
1: And so you went to a Facebook page. What else do you use as resources? Friends? People? Colleagues? Is there a network? or a group within the university that has other people thinking about getting into the same process, other peers, classmates, I don't know. Anyone else wanted to do this?
2: Well, some people um, in in my university were interested too at that time. And they talk about it, but they don't get so much information at that time. So I was the one that was really interesting, so I read the full um, commentaries and the full uh, experiences of other people, of the other Colombian doctors, trying to pursue this the same dream. So after that, I I went to the uh, to the USMLE page web page, and I read the whole uh, information about the step one. So that's why I started like my whole process.
1: So let's go back. So. You're married, you have a child. You were in medical school, and FYI, everybody, he has a v- complete whole life before he went into medical school. He was in the military service. Actually, he was an enlisted officer for the United uh, for the Colombian military, and you were a, a major, a uh, lieutenant, lieutenant for the Colombian uh, military, and he was actually leading a battalion in combat, and one day in the middle of combat, after helping people in some other way, protecting their farms, protecting their their little towns, he had an enlightenment of becoming a physician, and he started his whole life process all over again. How old you are now? 31. 31. It's not easy. I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, He has gone through some personal hardship. Uh, By the time I was 22, I was a doctor in Colombia. By the time I came to the U.S., let's see, I started my first residency training in 2006, so I was 23 years old, 24 years old. I finished my first one when I was 27. I practiced for two years in Iowa uh, for my waiver, my level certification, for two years. You add another two, so it was 29. I started emergency medicine when I was 29, all the way up to 32, almost 33. And then I got married when I was 30, uh, 35. So I started my life way behind I have barely a seven- and a six-year-old child. I mean, you have had a full life before making this decision. Uh, what have been the financial implications and the personal sacrifices that you and your family have had to go through to get you over here?
2: Well, to be honest, I have to to make so many sacrifices. Uh, when I realized that I wanted to, to do this whole process, I start like trying to get resources and trying to, to get money. So I start working after I finished my medical training in my university. I went to many hospitals, many clinics. I worked for one year working in, in patients, outpatients, emergency rooms, OB, GA, GYM and um, pediatrics. So I save all that money, well, most of them, because at the same time I have to support my family. I try to put my whole resources, my my whole uh, money, in this process. But I have been helping with uh, my wife's family. They have been like
1: super supporting.
2: Yeah, they lend me some money. To support the last exam, I already take the step one and step two ZK. And in the CK I needed money. And to be here in the United States at this time, I have spent a couple of grants. So they are helping me with this uh, issue right now.
1: So just to put this on perspective, how much a general physician like I was in Colombia is making currently a month in pesos, and we will translate it to American dollars. How much a general physician in Colombia makes right now?
2: Uh, to wor- uh, If you work... For a, full-time a full-time job. Full-time job, uh, you can make like four millions of pesos. That is like... $1,100 dollars.
1: You hear that, guys? $1,100 dollars. Put that into perspective. Fully trained, 10 years out, 15 years out, practicing physician in the United States, depending on how many hours and the specialty, obviously, can make from 350000 a year to 750000 a year. You know, it all depends on many factors. Uh, But just put it on perspective, the kind of commitment that he has had to be able to collect a month, $1,000, paying his rent, paying for his groceries, supporting his kid, putting them through school, getting help from his wife, getting help from his family, and going through this hustle just to do some self-improvement. The amount of commitment and sacrifice, it is unreal. And nobody will ever acknowledge your personal or family sacrifices. And now, when I look back, I cannot thank my father, my brother, for what for everything that they did. But but that's impressive. So so that's how much they make. How many jobs you had? I know that sometimes you have a one full-time job and you go and do some shifts in the emergency room right there in Colombia as a GP to get some extra income. How, how, what else do you do to to, to support yourself?
2: Well, uh, it was uh, most of them like working because at the same time I was trying to study a little bit, like to keep doing in the training, in getting better with my English, and at the same time, like study, review the books to take the step one and step two CK. Family life, you have to spend some time with your kid, with your wife. And it's kind of difficult to do three things at the same time, like study for USMLE, like going everywhere to take a full-time job. And, uh, and after that, like spend time with your family is kind of difficult.
1: Yeah, it's not easy. I, w- I was single, so I cannot really uh, tell you how different is our specific situation. So you didn't do rural service because you didn't have to because you had a career in the military. Right, and you had a special waiver for having been enlisted in the Colombian military as a as a career officer. Uh, in my personal case, I had to do rural service because when I told my dad that I was coming to America without my rural service, and that if Colombia, if you don't get the rural service, you don't get your medical license, he told me, "Hell no, you're going back, you're doing your rural service." one more year in rural America and I made the commitment and I did it. So it took me an extra year and I worked for about four months in a GP uh, hospital as a GP in an outpatient medical practice uh, after my rural service but uh, it didn't take me much. I think four months after I finished my 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 internship to so my rural service to make it into America and I had support from many people. So going back to that uh, you, you, you make thousand one hundred dollars a month how much do you have to pay these days to take step one
2: step one is uh, the fees to take the exam in United States is like 650 but I took the exam in Colombia so I have to pay another fee to get the exam there that is like 150 more so it's kind of 800.
1: Do you do it in a Prometric testing center or a Sylvan testing center? Or is what's the name of the place there?
2: Prometric. Prometrist Prometric is the testing center in Bogota.
1: Bogota. Same type of security surveillance, uh, checking your pockets, making sure you do have anything written, same standard, same tests, everything. How many people were you taking the test that same day that you were taking yours?
2: Uh, probably like 15 people. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. So... We're talking 2001 and before that, probably late 1990s, I was going through med school. I don't think only but two out of 75 medical seniors, students decided to come into America. What proportional percentage of your current class is in the process that you are in?
2: Uh, I have here about only like, two classmates that have already, already commitment with the process. Um, only one is here in the United States, uh, like, taking the whole steps. And one of those uh, have already quit the process because he realized that he do not want to spend so much money and so much time doing this whole process. Wow.
1: So, Ferney, you came here. You, you and I have been talking about how to get it done. I know you ran into some bumps on the road with your with the university attendings, not authorizing you to come and do some rotations. How did that go for you? Because I tell you, in my personal case, they didn't let me come here for the whole year. They made me come back after a year of uh, observerships here at the University of Miami, Jackson Memorials hospital, Latin American uh, observership program. Uh, I had to I had to go back and do six more months. Uh, what bumps on the road you came across with the university or things that they kind of told you, yeah, we can help you with this, but we can help you with that. How
2: did you manage that? Well, it was kind of difficult because I was trying to get an observership two months in family medicine field in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I got some friends there. So I was trying to, to go there uh, in my internship year for two months and I did the whole process. Uh I made the application, I got some papers to fill from the hospital. Were accepted. Yeah, they were accepted. Uh but my university they don't wanted to 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 sign um it On was a
1: a release or a permission or
2: a it break. was a, like an uh, agreement assessment, uh a segment, something like that. So the hospital needed that sign from my university like to let me practice like uh like an a uh, medical student there. And just the attendance in my in my university they they didn't want it to sign because they feel not comfortable doing because my university in colombia is a public university so it was big issues for them so it was really painful because i spent like three years trying to get this rotation and i figure out only one one month or two months before going to to new mexico that i that i that i, that I couldn't do it yeah wow, that sucks uh
1: you know something that I ran into is that the office of admissions uh, at the university in the main campus, not in the uh, uh, healthcare campus, down in the main campus, they have the office of admissions that handles the the the, the grades. How do you call it here? The dean letter, all those processes that the ECFMG ask you for, and they wanted me to go personally, while well, living in the United States, to do this process. They wanted to see my face. And I was trying to get my mom to help me through this process. And these people were so close minded. I literally had to pay a full ticket, get there, show my face through a window to a very nasty person, sign a document, pay a silly amount of money to release those records. And they wanted these records, the ECFMG, to be sent directly from the dean's office. And that's not the way it works in Colombia because nobody wants to help you with nothing. So I had to go there, go translate the medical records by a certified translator that costs a heck of a lot of money. I think like $1,000, $500 back then. Get them stamped. uh, Colombia Americano Centro Colombia Americano, which is a local English center. And then I had to go and them myself back then. uh, DHL or FedEx or XF. It was outrageous it was not as common as it is right here in America it is outrageous and so what did you run into I don't know if you have a, a, an anecdote that you can tell us about something like that something really crazy
2: well it, the things that it doesn't change a lot at, at this moment is the same thing I I did it the same I have to go there show in in person there I uh, like take my uh, my scores and they did translation after that, and I have to put those in a letter, in a package, and send in the name of my university, and I had to pay for the whole process.
1: It has to be sealed and crazy stuff. So, oh, God. So, yeah, the process to get the paper or the United States to the SAFMG is not an easy process, and believe me, back then, the websites and the... The internet connections uh, or the telecommunications were not the same way that they are and we're not talking that far back we're talking about 18 and a half years ago i mean things have changed probably some things are easier but the mindset of the people do not change that's why we're where we are and that's why we're having this brain fugue people running away who's going to survive with $1,100 some people do it but You want something better for yourself. That's why you guys are committed to this path. You're coming from India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, China, uh, Russia, uh, South America, Argentina, Brazil, Ecuador, Mexico, Canada. And the the pathway is completely different for many people. You come from different currencies, different socioeconomical backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds. I mean, we have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that can put out their experience in our website, come to this show, show us how much you care on helping other people to make it impressive. But this is not about me, it's about you, Fernet. So obviously you went through these headaches, you graduated from med school, Uh, you graduated with honors. Did you do okay with your scores and stuff?
2: Yeah, I was a good student. I didn't lose any of my subjects. So I was a distinguished student Yeah, I did great in medical school.
1: What was the attitude of your attendings in Colombia, your teachers, your professors, when you said, hey, I want to get out of here. I'm trying to become a doctor in the United States. Did they look at you weird? Did they discourage you? Did they encourage you? Were they positive, negative, ambivalent? Eh, I don't know.
2: Yeah, some of them were, like, um, encouraged, like, okay, the situation... Right now in Colombia, it's not good. Uh, so we are not making enough money to support our families like a doctors. So if you can do something else, like go to another country and try to to live a life uh, there, it will be better. But yeah, some of them uh, make like, negative thoughts and negative comments about the process. Like, oh, it's very difficult. You have to spend a lot of money. You have to be like um, native uh, English speaker uh, to be there. So you have to spend a lot of years. So it would be better like to, to get a residency spot in a Spanish speaker country. So well, I have hear about this, this, like negative thoughts all the time from my classmates and from attendees there.
1: How does your wife feel about you being here and going through all these headaches and self punishment that you're inflicting on yourself.
2: Well she and on the family. Yeah. Uh, she is good. She is willing uh today to be here in the United States. She the United States, like the culture, the places. Uh, and she is like really supportive with me. Uh, she is working right now, so she's the one who taste care uh, right now, you know, supporting the family. What about your
1: boy? What does he say? Hey, Daddy, what are you up to?
2: Yeah, he is willing to get some uh, toys from the United States that we cannot get (laughs) in Colombia. So he is, like, uh, really excited. Yeah, Yeah. it's excited about the idea.
1: So you're going to go back and spend Christmas there?
2: Yeah, I I will go uh, in two days. I, I will go back to my country and spend... The whole month, January to December and January, I will be there and spend a precious time with them.
1: I know as of now, you don't have a job waiting for you, right? What's going to be like when you come back? Are you going to jump right on the bus and start looking for one? Or
2: To be honest, last night I was trying to talk with some friends, with some mates uh, in the medical field. And they told me like, oh man, the the situation right now is not good. You have to apply like so many places, and if you are lucky, you will get one interview or two interviews. But there are so many people like trying to get that job too, so it would be difficult. The
1: political influences that I needed to have to be able to get certain specific jobs.
2: Sometimes uh, we have to use it. We
1: call it la palanca. We have a little edge. And and literally, sometimes you really have to kind of push some money under the table, as messed up as it sounds. I had to go through some situations like that, and I had to do my, my rural service. Anyway, we'll tell you more about that in probably in in coming episodes. So now you're here. I know you're coming from uh, North Carolina right now. You arrived here last Saturday. You were in North Carolina at your sister's house. But before then,
2: I was in Miami. I then, was in the... Jackson Memorial at the Jackson Memorial Hospital. I was doing two months of observership in the uh, Harrington program. uh, William J. Harrington
1: programs for Latin America.
2: How is that now?
1: Back in my day, it was mostly exchanging information via United States Postal Service. And I'll take like two weeks to make it into Colombia. I'll open the envelope, fill some papers, ship it back. There was no way to upload. Back then, files or information on the internet, the email was in a prim- primitive way. It was a lot of exchanging via regular snail mail, a snail mail like a slow mail. What is it like to apply to to the program now? I remember they were in a skinny, tall building next to Jackson, off to the left, like towards the east side of the, the new,
2: Dominion Tower.
1: Yeah, the Dominion Tower. Are, yeah. are they still there?
2: Yeah, they are still there. Well, right now is better. You can like. Search some information in the internet. There are a bunch of information about the program, and you can email them uh, via website to get more information. But you have to send some papers, printed papers. You have to do it by regular mail.
1: For me, it was a huge opportunity. At that time, I used to pay hundred dollars per rotation. How much? How much did you pay per rotation? Now?
2: Every month costs one thousand.
1: One thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Plus health insurance, I think, they make you buy health insurance. Yes. Plus you pay for your own uh, uh, rooming and boarding. Yes. Hotel and everything. You had no friends. You have, were you staying at a hotel or where were you staying?
2: Uh, I rent a room. I have to share a room with a Colombian doctor too. So it was not kind of expensive. It was close to, to the Jackson Memorial Hospital. So I didn't have to spend a lot of money like in transportation, uh, and I had to pay for everything. Did you walk? Yeah, every day. Lots of walking, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of weight loss, huh?
2: Yeah, you know, to and, keep in uh, shape.
1: They don't give you breakfast, lunch, or dinner. No. Mm. I, I used to go to every pharmaceutical rep, as a sponsor dinner, lunch, sneak out into the Department of Surgery, sneak out into the Department of Internal Medicine, find my way here just eat crap cheap stuff mcdonald's burger king salems they have a little salems of greek food there it was not easy i spent a lot of time at the miller library from the miller school of medicine it's called the miller's library still i remember every time every day i started my observership seven eight a.m we went until five or six four sometimes we cut it early straight there, ate something, a little cafecito cubano, a little Cuban coffee, a little tostadas, pan with butter, and get some energy, and boom, straight to the library. And I would go way up there in the furthest, quietest corner of the university, behind the shelves of the books, and pound hours and hours on end, studying for step one and step two. Back in my day, was a step one. Step two, clinical skills assessment. Step three, and you had to take the TOEFL. And then you get your ECFMG certification. You get your token, and then you get your full stickers to put on your diploma. And that's that was, it has changed. But uh, what was the day like for you in Miami?
2: At the beginning, I went to one month in PMR. What is um, PMR? Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. Okay so it was kind of busy service every day so i went there from 7 to 5 sometimes 6 or 7 pm so i tried to after that i tried to to study a little bit uh, at the library but you know you have to be ready to the next day so it was kind of difficult but my second rotation was in psychiatry i was only in the mornings from 6 to 12, at noon, I got out uh, every day. So I spent my whole afternoon at the library, you know, study uh, to be good in the rotation. And, and also I I started uh, to study for my CS test. So it was kind of that. And, um, you know, sometimes in the afternoon, I have to go to the Grand Rounds, to the lectures. Oh, yeah. It was mouse. Part of the requirements yeah.
1: for, for the program. Correct. I think they hosted them on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Wednesdays. And they, there was something else going on on Mondays. I don't remember. But it, it's it's an observership. You know, guys, to do what the American peers do, which is a clinical clerkship with hands-on experience. Is there such a thing for us back in my days? It was almost impossible or Unaffordable. I know of many companies right now called Residence Medical and other websites. I don't really understand how they work, but I know that they're matched with some private physicians and they pay the physician a fee and they keep another fee, a commission fee for getting the recruits, the applicants in the United States. Obviously, they have some successful story. I'm not speaking badly or poorly about them, but I'm trying to get just free material. I want people to come in, we'll share stuff, you get it, you guys probably might get a tip or two out of this, how you did it, I want to hear from people from India, I want to hear from people from Canada, I want to hear from people from the UK, you know, different languages, different backgrounds, Australians, etc. Nowadays, the world is as big as your palms, because everybody could be literally virtually connected, so it was a busy day. You finished your day, you went to university, what kind of resources do you use in the library? Online, platform-based, question, uh, data banks, uh, do you do the Kaplan or other resources out there? I, I don't know, you know, many people have the money to study, pay for the Kaplan. How much is the Kaplan, by the way, these days?
2: Oh, the Kaplan? Uh, the Kaplan course for you. Yeah, the Kaplan co- course, it, it depends how much do you want to take, but... I have heard from some uh people in the same process that it costs from 600 uh, 6000 to 15000 it depends uh the months you want to spend there in
1: Colombia what i saw the most is that the niños ricos the rich kids their parents pay for everything and they're like these people from bogota wealthy kids you know in fancy places living in beautiful places in miami riding this nice luxury car, really comfortable, you know. In my personal case, I I wouldn't say I I, I struggled badly at all, but it was a lot of sacrifices, you know. But not everybody uh, can afford the Kaplan courses. In in my personal case, I just don't like the the platform. I am a type of self-study, self-discipline guy. Not everybody has the discipline to sit for four, six hours straight in a library, going to pee every hour or two with no food, little resources, cold. You know, that I don't know, they closed it at 11, 12 midnight? I don't remember. Uh, 12. 12.
2: 12 p.m. And uh, then at I night. had to
1: take the Metro Mover all the way to Brickell Key. Uh, that's the same case for you. You wrap it up and you went back to, to your dorm.
2: Yeah, but I I didn't try to go so late because I was I have to walk. So. That area
1: around Jackson is not very safe neither
2: yeah it was kind of scary because many homeless people yeah
1: yeah, the the area around jackson memorial is not very friendly nice hospital a huge place one of the largest medical centers in the u.s i would say um but for nate is here so what's next for you where are we going from here i know you and i do a couple of shadow shifts we're going to do one more on friday I'm sorry for canceling on you tomorrow. I'm taking my kids uh, today, actually. Today, I'm sorry for that. But I've been trying to spend quite a bit of time with him, just to kind of get him exposed. And I, I want him to do this. He is actually he was afraid about his English not keeping up with the, with the conversation. But he's doing phenomenal. I mean, in an interview, I think he'll do fantastic. You know, sometimes the program directors of the residency programs are like at the same time testing you and seeking the level of understanding that they have from your American spoken language, and they want to see how proficient you are at it, because believe it or not, uh, I have an accent, many people from various backgrounds and nationalities have an accent, and sometimes some consultants are, are hard to be understood, so, but yeah, it's, a, it's an open country, it's a free country, everybody's welcome, you're competing with the American grads, you're competing with the Americans that went to international universities in the Caribbean, that are coming into America that follow the same path, but we are all in it. Uh, in my personal case, you know, applying for a few spots in emergency medicine, it was not an easy path. So what's, what's, what's next for you? I know you're studying for the clinical skills part.
0: Yeah. What have you
1: done for that? Do you feel you're ready? What's going to happen next?
2: Well, um, I have been reading this amazing book that is a uh, fierce aid for CS. You so, love
1: the, f- the first, the first aid for uh, for the clinical skills.
2: Yeah, it, it's really good. The, the last edition is really good, and it's like focus uh, in international medical graduates uh, that have to be good with uh, normal medical expressions.
1: This is still published by and Lipincon- Wilkins, who's the publisher, McGraw Hill. McGraw-Hill. McGraw-Hill, they're awesome.
2: Yeah, and this book is amazing. So I have been studied this book and I will try to to get some peers in Internet to practice the cases on Skype. With
1: peers over the Internet? Really? Yeah,
2: there are so many groups in Internet uh, from oh. people... Doing the same training to take its So
1: they do the patient interaction. You portray to be a patient. You por- and then you play to be a doctor, and you switch around. Yes. We, uh, by the way, shouts to my friend uh, Carlos Herman Fernandez. He's a very successful psychiatrist uh, at Harvard with the Brigham Women's Hospital. Uh, uh, super accomplished. We went to elementary school together. Primary school, secondary school. We split for like three years. And we ended up at the same university University in. We were classmates through the university. We graduated together from the university. We studied for the steps together. And then when we took the CSA, we studied together again, and I would lock myself like we are, guys. We're right now in my closet surrounded by my clothes with a microphone and the computer just kind of talking to each other. But we would lock ourselves in my room at my parents' house and practice cases all day, and we would grab a book, I don't know what it's like, it was the OSCE, they call it the OC in America, slash CSA. The CSA was barely getting started, only the foreigners like me were taking the test, and it was $1,200. How much is the the CS theo- theoretical part? How much is the clinical part for you?
2: Uh, the theoretical part is like almost 900 to take in Prometric in Bogotá in my country. The CS you can only take exam in the centers here in the United States, and you have to pay like one thousand five hundred dollars.
1: Wow, yeah, you pay for it already. You told me that you kind of postponed it a little bit. You wanted to give yourself some room to to practice a little further.
2: Yeah, I wanted to take the test in January, but I don't feel quite confident. With the whole test, so I postponed it to March.
1: Do you have any other peers in Bucaramanga right now that are going through this process?
2: No, right now, no. The only that I know is in Jackson, in Jacksonville, Florida. He is working in research with Clinic Mayo. Um, with the Mayo Clinic, yeah. With the Mayo Clinic, so
1: research. How do you feel about research?
2: Well, it's a difficult field. Yes. Uh, you have to be very commitment and Correct. read a lot of articles and uh, the regulation data uh, It's not quite fun. I,
1: guys, research is not my thing.
2: Me neither. I, I,
1: I said whatever it takes, but I'm not doing research. Some other people love it. Some people are lab rats. And no offense. Kudos to you. Not my kind of game. Okay, so let's wrap it up here. And we're gonna bring you back on episode number four. And we're gonna go go a little bit deeper into what it has been, your study methods, what resources you have used. And I want you to try to think about those. And we're gonna see what's next for you, okay? So thank you everybody for listening. Remember, sharing is caring. Go to my website, like me, post a comment, follow me on Facebook. Uh, I don't have an Instagram page, but I have one on tweet. Tweet me at hashtag fmg-imgcast. You'll find me there. And just uh, make comments uh, on the SoundCloud and all the platforms where I'm going to be available. iTunes, please like me. Any positive reviews are welcome. Obviously, internet trolls, people that are going to judge and criticize, feel free to do it. I'm doing this because I have a passion for education, I want to make, uh, create awareness and I want to bring the community together. So follow me up, hit us up, like us, and leave us a good comment, and please review us. Thank you.